Hi, I'm Mark O'Connell, and you're listening to Far Fetched, a podcast about my largely unpaid but mostly enjoyable career as a writer. Now, if you are a regular listener to Far Fetched, then you may recall that two episodes ago I left off just uh, wh- about one quarter of the way through a dramatic re- reading of the Star Trek The Next Generation script for the episode entitled Timescape. You may recall this was my first sale to Star Trek The Next Generation. They bought a story concept from me. I was paid, but I did not get screen credit because there wasn't a story concept screen credit in existence. There probably still isn't. There definitely wasn't at the time. So uh, we worked out a deal where if I would sell my one-sentence pitch line to the show, they would give me more opportunities in the future, which is exactly what happened. Meanwhile, in the Star Trek offices, what happened was the reason that Timescape came to be at all was because they had a shooting script all ready to go the following week. And at the last minute, uh, someone, I presume it was Michael Piller, the showrunner, tossed that script in the garbage. And that script is forever lost to us, as far as I know. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was as bad as Michael Piller thought it was, but he must have thought it was pretty bad. Because with just a couple of days to come up with an alternative episode, he tossed that script in the trash. So that turned out to be my lucky break. A story I had pitched to Brandon Braga caught his attention When he found out that the show needed a new script, it turned around in like 24 hours. Uh, He pitched my idea to the rest of the the staff, and they liked it, and they hired me, and boom. Brandon wrote the script, and next thing you know, the episode Timescape is airing. So two episodes ago, I had gotten through the teaser and Act 1 in my reading of Timescape. So... That took us to just about where my pitch line left off. So everything from here on out is purely entirely credited to Brandon Braga. He made all this stuff up. Everything from here, from page 18 on to the very last page of the script, that's all Brandon Braga. I guess I can say he was inspired by my idea, by my concept, but all the credit goes to him for this tight little puzzle of a show. So here we go, page 18, Star Trek Timescape, Act 2, Fade In. Exterior space, Enterprise and... Oh, before we go any further, I should tell you again what the, what the pitch was. So the story I pitched involved several of the crew of this Starship Enterprise being away, attending a conference... And they're returning to the Enterprise after the conference. They're in a uh, shuttlecraft or a runabout. In fact, I believe this was the first time the runabout was used. The runabout set was used on, on any Star Trek show. So they're returning to the Enterprise and they start encountering temporal anomalies. If it wasn't for Star Trek, would we even have the phrase temporal anomalies? And if we didn't have the phrase temporal anomalies, would Star Trek exist? I'm not so sure. At any rate, this story is all about the temporal anomalies. They, uh, the crew aboard the runabout start encountering these temporal anomalies. See, I can't stop saying it now. On their way back to rendezvous with the Enterprise, and the temporal anomalies get anomalier and anomalier as they get closer and closer to the Enterprise, only to find that the Enterprise is in suspended animation. It's been caught, stuck inside one of these temporal anomalies, and it is in the middle of a battle with a Romulan spaceship, a Romulan bird of prey. Now, this is a problem because the Romulan bird of prey, from what we can tell, has just fired a shot that is going to destroy the Starship Enterprise and everyone aboard it. So our heroes in the runabout have to figure out a way to get time moving again, knowing full well that as soon as they do, the Enterprise will be obliterated. So the whole show is trying to figure out this puzzle. How do we get the 
enterprise out of this temporal anomaly without it just being completely destroyed by the Romulans. So that's where we pick up at the beginning of Act 2. Fade in. Exterior space. Enterprise and Romulan warbird. Optical. As before, face-to-face in mid-battle, completely motionless. Interior runabout. Cockpit. Optical. Picard, Data, Geordi, and Troy staring out the window, stunned by the sight. Picard. Mr. Data? Data. Off console. The Enterprise and the Warbird both appear to be trapped within one of the temporal fragments. Geordi. The fragments seem to converge at this point. I'd say we're looking at the center of the temporal disturbances. Picard. Scan for life signs. Data. Sensors cannot penetrate the subspace field. I am unable to scan within the vessels. They stare at the ships a long moment, trying to make sense of it all. Troy. It looks like the Enterprise has been damaged. Points. There, on the starboard nacelle. Geordi stares out. The warbird doesn't look damaged at all. I wonder if the Enterprise even got off a shot. Troy. The Romulans could have decloaked before the Enterprise had a chance to respond. Picard. There's a second energy beam. It's coming from the Enterprise deflector array. Any idea what it could be? Data. It is impossible to tell from a visual inspection, but it appears to be focused on the Warbird's engineering section. They consider. Picard stares out the window, frustrated by the situation. Picard. We're not going to figure out what would happen from here. We need to get aboard the Enterprise. Data. That would be unadvisable, sir. In each of the three instances we came into contact with a temporal fragment, we were integrated into its time frame. Geordi, off that. If we beamed aboard the Enterprise, we'd be frozen in time just like they are. Picard. Then we've got to find a way to stay unfrozen. Picard thinks. Gets an idea. Picard. Mr. LaForge, what about a subspace force field like the one we used on Davidia 2? Could something like that protect us from the effects of the temporal fragment? Geordi. Possibly, but we'd need a pretty sensitive phase discriminator to modulate that kind of field. Data gets an idea. Data. The emergency transporter armbands contain a Type 7 phase discriminator. It should be possible to reconfigure their subspace emitters. Geordi. Yeah, that would certainly isolate us from the effects of the other time frame. I'm just going to pause here for a moment to point out that what I've just been reading is what we lovingly call in Star Trek script land, technobabble. It sounds technical. It sounds scientific. It's even kind of sounds real, but it's not. It's just something that me or some other writer made up just to make it sound sciency. To continue. As Jordy talks, he stands and opens a nearby storage compartment. He takes out a couple of transporter armbands, as seen in Best of Both Worlds 2. He examines them. Geordi, continuing. But if we want to interact with that environment, we'd have to restrict the field. It would have to be practically skin tight. Data. I will attempt to narrow the field. Data takes out the rest of the transporter armbands. Geordi, to Picard. This might work, Captain, but it's going to take some time. Picard nods, looks out the window at the frozen ships. Picard, it would seem that time is one thing we have plenty of. Exterior space, the runabout, optical. As before, near the frozen Enterprise and Warbird. Interior runabout, cockpit. Later, Picard, Data, and Troy are each wearing a transporter armband on their arm. They each have a phaser and a tricorder strapped to their waist. Geordi is making the final adjustments to Picard's armband. Geordi. I've channeled communications through the subspace relays in the armbands. We'll be in continual contact. Troy. How long will the fields last? Geordi. An hour, maybe less. Don't worry. I'll monitor you very carefully. Geordi completes the adjustment to Picard's armband. He moves to a nearby console, works the controls. New angle. Picard, data, Troy. Optical. As the field flashes, oh, and I should also point out, when I say optical, that means that there's going to be some sort of a special effect in the shot. An optical effect, in other words. So, new angle, Picard, Data, Troy, optical. As the field flashes around each of them briefly, 
Note, the fields should look skin tight like electrical wetsuits. Troy reacts to a dizzy feeling, puts a hand to her head. Data takes note. Data, is there something wrong, counselor? Troy, I got a little dizzy there for a second. Jordy, we're generating an artificial pocket of time around you. It, it's probably playing tricks on your equilibrium. It might take a little while to get used to. Let me know if it gets any worse. Picard to Jordy. Beam us directly to the Enterprise Bridge. Jordy, aye, sir. Picard, Data, and Troy step toward the transporter platform off screen. Jordy works the controls. Jordy, energizing. We hear them dematerialize. Interior Enterprise Bridge, optical. Picard, Data, and Troy materialize in an open area. They look around the room. It's a startling sight. Widen to reveal the room, optical. Everything, and, and this first sentence is, not only is it in all caps, but it is underlined as well. So this is important. Take note. The note reads, everything and everyone is completely stopped, frozen in place. The ship is utterly silent. The bridge has been caught in mid-crisis. The ship is at red alert. Consoles and warning lights stopped in mid-flash. The room is damaged in a few places. Scorch marks on the walls, etc. ND crew members are present, all of them motionless with looks of concern on their faces, some of them gripping consoles for support. A Romulan is frozen at the con position, hands poised above the console. An ND crew member is lying on the floor next to him, a nasty-looking scorch mark on his face. He appears to be dead. Another Romulan stands nearby, watching. Riker, optical, is backed up against a wall in another part of the room, his hands raised in a defensive posture against a third Romulan. Their expressions are tense, urgent. They appear to be frozen in mid-struggle. Picard, Data, Troy, take in the picture still seen. Picard starts to move toward the command area, taking in all the details. Picard, three Romulans, all armed with disruptors, one at con, looks around. There are none of our security officers on the bridge. They must have taken us by surprise. Data moves to the ops position. Troy moves to Riker. Picard moves to Riker's chair. He carefully reaches down to the chair and deliberately moves the swing arm console. Picard, it would appear that we can move objects in this time frame. Troy is staring at Riker and the Romulan. Picard joins her. Troy, regarding Riker. Maybe we can do something to help Will. Picard is cautious. I'm wary about making changes in this time continuum until we understand more about what's going on. Data is studying the console at Ops. He carefully reaches around the motionless crew member and punches a few controls on the console. No response. Data. None of the equipment is functioning. Studies console. However, the information currently displayed indicates that there was a massive power surge in engineering. Picard moves to the tactical position, studies the consoles there. Picard, off console. Security teams had just been sent to transporter room 3 and sickbay. Picard turns to the others. Picard, Counselor, you go to sickbay. Have a look around. Data, go to main engineering. See if you can determine the cause of the power surge. I'll be in transporter room 3. Picard to LaForge. Geordi's calm voice. LaForge here, sir. Picard, Lock on to our signals. I want you to beam Counselor Troy to... Geordi's calm voice. I'd rather not, Captain. We've got limited power, and your isolation fields consume a lot of energy. Picard. Understood. We'll use the Jeffries tubes. Two others. Let's go. As they all turn to go... Interior Jeffries tube. Now, if you're a diehard Trek fan, you know exactly what a Jeffries tube is. Do I need to explain it? It's a diagonal tube sticking into one of the walls of the Enterprise. And whenever something totally impossible needed to be done to fix the ship, in the original series, Scotty, the engineer, would climb up into the slanted Jeffrey tube and there'd be sparks flying in his face and he'd be fixing and tweaking and doing all sorts of business until he got the ship running right. And in Next Generation, Jordy did the same thing. So they're off to find... Jeffrey's tubes from which they can assess the situation and perhaps perform repairs. Back to the script. Interior Jeffrey's tube. Picard, Troy, and Data are climbing downward in that order through the cramped space. 
On the move. Picard. T-16 is directly ahead. It's the main junction for this section of the ship. We should have reasonably easy access to our destinations from there. They come to the hatch in the platform floor. Picard uses a door opening device, as seen in Starship Mine, to pry it open. He stops, startled to see a frozen face staring right up at him on the other side of the hatch. A crew member stopped in mid-climb below, an urgent look on his face. Two more crew members can be seen behind him, also caught in mid-climb. They are carrying several pieces of tech equipment, making it impossibly cramped on their side of the tube. Picard, Troy, and Data eye the frozen crew members. Troy, maybe we can get around them? A beat. It looks unlikely. Picard, no. We'll find an alternate route. Let's go back up. As they start to climb up along the tube. Exterior space, the Enterprise. Optical. As before, frozen. Interior engineering. Angle on the doors to the Jeffreys tube. Slowly they start to open, and we reveal that Data is prying them apart with android strength. Data gets them open and enters the room. He glances around, taking in the scene, then sees something in the direction of the engine core. He reacts, clearly concerned. As he moves towards the core... Interior corridor. Troy walking down the utterly silent hallway. She passes a frozen crew member who has been caught in mid-stride. She eyes him as she passes. It's a disarming sight. Troy arrives at the entrance to sickbay. Two security guards are stopped in the open doorway, phasers drawn, in the middle of entering the room. Troy carefully brushes past them and enters the room. Interior sickbay continuous, as Troy enters and looks around. The room has been fixed in mid-moment. Two medical NDS are visible frozen in mid-work. They have urgent expressions. Troy glances beside her. A frozen Romulan woman is standing against the wall by the door. Troy walks further into the room, surveying the scene, and stops at what she sees. New angle, optical. Beverly is standing a few feet away with her arms spread apart, body in mid-jolt, eyes wide with shock. A disruptor blast has penetrated her chest, the glowing beam caught in mid-flash. A nasty-looking hole has been burned through her chest. A Romulan man stands a few feet away, firing the phaser at her. It has all been frozen in time. Troy reacts. She takes a step toward Beverly, disturbed by the sight. It looks hopeless. Finally, Troy turns and heads for the door. As she goes, she passes the Romulan who is standing by the door. Close, the Romulan woman. A beat goes by. Then, inexplicably, the Romulan's eyes follow Troy as she exits. She turns toward the door. Clearly, she is not frozen in time. Off her unreadable face. Fade out. End of Act 2. Man, I'm loving this script. What an excellent cliffhanger for Act 2. On to Act 3. We are now on page 27 of the script. Fade in. Exterior space, the Enterprise. Optical. As before, motionless. Interior corridor. Picard walking along the empty hall. He passes a turbolift whose doors are partially open, and something catches his eye. He moves to the doors, positions himself to get a good look inside the turbolift. Picard's point of view, turbolift. Just visible beyond to the half-closed door, a rot and that is how it's written. Picard's point of view, turbolift. Just visible beyond to the half-closed door, a Romulan and an ND crew member are standing side by side, motionless, apparently caught in mid-conversation. Picard reacts to the sight, curious, then moves off down the corridor. Interior Enterprise Transporter Room, Optical. The scene is frozen in a tableau. Three Romulans are motionless on the transporter stage. One is holding his arm, injured, a look of pain on his face. Another is helping him along. The third Romulan is stepping down off the transporter platform, his mouth open in mid-speech. Two security NDS are frozen at the foot of the stage, facing the Romulans, phasers drawn. Picard is moving from person to person, exploring the scene for clues. He stops at Worf, who is frozen at the transporter console. Picard tries to read the console display, but Worf's hands are covering it. Picard considers, then gently slides Worf's hands out of the way. Picard, excuse me, Mr. Worf. Picard examines the console with interest. 
Troy enters, looking shaken by her recent experience in sickbay. She crosses to Picard. Troy, Captain. Picard, Counselor, take a look at this. Picard indicates the console. Picard, it appears that Mr. Worf had just beamed these three aboard. Picard, off console. According to this, three other Romulans were beamed directly to sickbay just seconds before. Troy, I know. I just saw them. Troy tries to find a way to tell Picard what she just found, but Picard is absorbed in the mystery. Picard, why would we be transporting Romulans onto our ship in the middle of a battle? Picard gestures towards the transporter stage, at the Romulans standing there, the security NDS with their phasers drawn. Picard, regarding the Romulans. They don't have any weapons, and that one looks injured. If they were part of an invasion, why are they unarmed? It doesn't make sense. Troy hesitates, trying to find the best way to put this. It's a difficult moment. Troy, continuing. Captain, there's something I have to tell you. Beat. Dr. Crusher has been hit by a disruptor blast at point-blank range. If time returns to normal, I don't see how she can survive. A grim beat as Picard absorbs the news. He heads for the door, determined. Picard, there must be something we can do. Data's calm voice. Fritzed. Data to Captain Picard. Picard. Picard here. Data's calm voice. Please come to engineering emergency. It is urgent. Picard and Troy exchange a concerned look as they exit. Interior engineering. Data is studying the pool table readouts. Four engineering NDS can be seen frozen in the room. One of them is working frantically. The other is running toward the door, a look of concern on his face. Picard and Troy enter through the open Jeffrey's tube entrance and cross to Data. Picard, what's the problem, Mr. Data? Data turns to them. I believe I have discovered the cause of the power surge. Beat. There is a warp core breach in progress. They react. Data indicates the engine core. They walk up to it. Intercut. Angle on engine core. Optical. A cloud of violent blue-white gas is ballooning outward from the core, frozen in time. It is a warp core explosion stopped at its beginning, a strange and terrifying sight. Data regarding explosion. It is the flashpoint of a warp core explosion. Beat. And it is expanding. Picard. Expanding. I thought time was suspended on this ship. Data. We were incorrect. I have determined the time is moving forward at an infinitesimal rate. Troy. Why didn't we notice it before? Data. Our initial conclusion was based on our observations of the crew. A warp core breach moves at a much faster rate. He indicates the breached cloud. Data, continuing. The motion of the cloud is within my visual detection threshold. Based on its current expansion rate, it will consume the ship in approximately 9 hours, 17 minutes. They react to the news, troubled. Picard, is there any way we can stop it? Data. It is no longer a question of stopping it, sir. The explosion has already occurred. The fact that it is moving slowly changes nothing. Picard stares at the breach cloud for a long moment, becoming very thoughtful. Picard. Astonishing to see it frozen like this. Picard studies the explosion, moves off screen as Data and Troy continue talking. Troy, do we know what caused the breach? Data. No. However, the console displays indicate that there was a power transfer in progress from the Enterprise to the Romulan vessel at the moment time decelerated. Beat. That is why there is a second beam between the two ships. Troy. Why would we be sending them power? Data. Perhaps we should go aboard the Romulan ship. The answer to that question may... From off-screen, Picard laughs. They turn to see... Include Picard, optical. Standing near the breach cloud. He has just traced two eyes and a mouth in the gaseous cloud. A big smiling face. He studies the result, then looks at Data and Troy. He points to the face and starts laughing again. Clearly, something is wrong with him. Data. Captain? Picard reacts to a sudden pain in his head, dizzy, stumbles backwards and leans against the wall. Troy and Data rush to him. I'm just going to interrupt here for a second and say that scene that was just described where Captain Picard has just drawn a silly happy face in the cloud formed by the warp core breach. That is the image that I use for the front page of my Farfetch podcast. You may have noticed that. It's a great picture. Picard being kind of kooky.
Continued. Troy. Captain, what's wrong? Picard looks up at them, serious. Picard, my head. Dizzy. I can't. And he starts laughing again, uncontrollably. Data reaches for him, but Picard pulls away, suddenly panicked. Picard, no! Picard struggles against Data, losing all control. He looks deranged. Troy taps her armband. Troy to La Forge, get us out of here now! Exterior space, the runabout, optical, as before. Interior runabout, living section. Picard is sitting at the table. He has returned to normal, but looks exhausted. Jordy is studying an open panel on one of the transporter armbands. Data looks on. Jordy, it looks like you weren't completely protected from the effects of the other time continuum. Beat, the neurophysical stress must have been overwhelming. Data, in much the same way that deep sea divers can experience nitrogen narcosis, you experienced a form of temporal narcosis. Picard considers, it's a disturbing revelation. Picard, can we modify the subspace isolators to give us better protection? Jordy, I don't think so. All we can do right now is be careful. Limit our exposure to their time frame. We probably shouldn't stay any longer than 10 minutes per trip, and we should stick together while we're there, just in case. Picard nods, stands. Picard, very well. Our next step is to find out why the Enterprise was transferring power to the Romulan ship. To Troy. We'll begin our search in their engine room. Counselor, you spent several days on a Romulan ship. You know more about their layouts than anyone here. Perhaps you can... Picard reacts to a pain in his head, dizzy. Troy. Captain, it might be better if you stayed here this time and gave yourself a chance to recover. Picard is reluctant, but he knows she's right. Picard. You're right. To all. I'll monitor your progress from here. Ten minutes, no more. Off their apprehension. Exterior space. Romulan warbird. Optical. Hanging motionless. Interior. Romulan warbird. Engineering, optical. Similar to the engineering room as seen in the next phase, Data, Geordi, and Troy materialize in a clear space in the room. They look around. New angle, the room. Everything is frozen. There are several Romulan NDS stopped in various activities. There is a sense of urgency to their actions. Clearly, something urgent was happening when time stopped. Data, Geordi, Troy, take it all in. Troy. Jordy, there should be a power utilization monitor over there. Jordy nods. They quickly move to different consoles and begin to study the displays. Data and Troy stop at a console. They study the screen. Data, off console. This is highly unusual. The crew is not at battle stations. The ship is on evacuation alert. Troy, is that why Romulans were being transported to the Enterprise? They consider. Jordy moves to a corner of the room and reads a console. Note, this corner is empty, and there are no Romulans standing nearby. He reacts to the display. Geordi, to others. Take a look at this. Data and Troy move to him. Geordi, off console. There's an energy feedback returning through the transfer beam. It's probably what overloaded the Enterprise's engine and caused the core breach. They consider. Data. Perhaps the Warbird was trying to destroy the Enterprise. Geordi, off console. I don't think so. According to this, the Romulans were trying to shut down the power transfer. A puzzled beat. Troy, whatever happened, this is beginning to look less and less like a Romulan attack. Geordi, let's take a look at their engine output. They move to a console near the engine core, study the readings. Data, off console, surprised. Geordi, the engine core is completely inactive. Troy, reacts. That's impossible. The Romulans use an artificial quantum singularity as their power source. Once it's activated, it can't be shut down. Geordi, maybe we should take a closer look. Data nods. They move to the engine core. Geordi manually opens a large access panel to the core chamber, looks inside, and steps back, a look of surprise on his face. Geordi, I think we found the problem. Geordi moves aside, and Data and Troy look inside the core. Intercut. Angle, engine core, optical. The core is filled with an otherworldly kaleidoscope, as if space itself has been fragmented like a shattered mirror. It is continually shifting, moving. Note, also visible within the kaleidoscope effect are several dark spots, which we will later learn are alien eggs. Alien eggs, oh my god. 
Data pulls out his tricorder and takes a reading of the vortex. Throughout the conversation, Data continues to scan. Data, off tricorder. It appears to be a highly focused aperture in the space-time continuum. Its energy signature matches that of the temporal fragments we observed earlier. However, it is approximately 1.2 million times as intense. Beat. I believe this may be the origin of the temporal fragmentation. Data continues to scan the core, intrigued. Troy, what are these dark spots? Data, continuing, off tricorder. I am not certain. They exhibit complex bioelectric patterns, very possibly organic. Geordi, surprised. Organic? Data, from their molecular configuration, it would seem. Suddenly, the tricorder beeps. Data, the aperture is beginning to fluctuate. I believe we are. Suddenly, the vortex emits a blinding flash of light. Wide angle on room. Time resumes. The entire scene comes to life, continuing its motion and sound. Romulan NDs start working frantically, yelling out commands. A warning klaxon is heard. Confusion. Chaos. Angle on door as a distinctive-looking Romulan alien male rushes into the room, concerned. He stops at the sight of Data, Geordi, and Troy. What are they doing here? Interior runabout, Picard at the controls, concerned. Picard's point of view, outside window, optical, as the Enterprise explodes from the warp core breach. Resume. The cabin fills with bright light from the explosion. Picard throws up his hands to shield his eyes. An instant later, the bright light of the explosion begins to... Fade away. Picard's point of view outside window. The Enterprise is coming back together again. Time is reversing itself. Interior Romulan warbird engineering optical. Everything we've just seen over the past few seconds. Romulans working, voices, sounds, etc. Is now moving backward. Time reversing itself. Data, Geordi, Troy, optical. Watch in utter amazement as everything moves back into its original position and stops at the exact point where time was originally frozen. Utter silence. Everything completely motionless. Off their stunned reactions. Fade out. End Act 3. Act 4. Fade in. Interior Romulan Warbird. Engineering. A few minutes later, Data, Geordi, and Troy talking to Picard on the comm, mid-conversation. Data to Picard. I believe my tricorder emissions caused the temporal aperture to activate. I suggest we avoid exposing it to any further energy emissions. Intercut. Interior runabout. Cockpit. Picard at the controls. Picard. When time resumed, did you observe any activity in the engine room that suggested what the Romulans were doing? Interior Romulan warbird. Engineering. They glance around the room. Data. It appeared they were trying to eject the engine core. Troy, I thought I heard one of the engineers say something about the power transfer, something about an energy feedback. Geordi, it looks like they were trying to stop whatever was happening here. A beat. Picard. Mr. LaForge, from where you are, can you determine what's happening on the Romulan Bridge? Geordi looks around. Geordi, I think so. Geordi moves to the empty corner of the room where he was working in Act 3 and begins to examine the console. A beat goes by, then Geordi stops working, senses that something isn't quite right. He glances around, curious. Geordi, wait. Something's different here. He finally sees it. Include the Romulan male, last seen running into the room in Act 3 as time moved forward. He's standing in the corner, apparently motionless, staring in Geordi's direction. He was not there before time moved forward. Geordi eyes him. Geordi, data? Was this man always standing right here? The Romulan lunges at Geordi. Geordi jumps back, startled. The Romulan grabs him with both hands. As the Romulan makes contact, Geordi's isolation field flashes violently around them. They are both jolted backward to the floor. The Romulan hits the ground, unconscious. Geordi starts to convulse, wildly. Troy and Data run to Geordi, kneel down to help him. Troy quickly scans him with the tricorder, while Data tries to hold him down. Troy, regarding Geordi. He's going into neural shock. Data, we must get him back to the runabout. Troy, there's not enough time. He's dying. Troy hesitates, unsure what to do. Finally, she gets an idea. She removes Geordi's transporter armband. On Geordi, optical. As Troy removes the armband, Geordi is thrown into frozen time. 
he stops in mid-convulsion, a look of agony caught on his face. Troy turns to Data. Troy, at least this way he'll be alive in the other time frame. We might have a chance to save him later. Beat, is the Romulan still alive? Data nods, crosses to the unconscious Romulan who attacked Geordi. He scans the Romulan. Data to Troy. Yes, however I am getting unusual readings from his bioscan. Beat, I am not sure that he is a Romulan. Off Troy's reaction. Exterior space runabout optical, as before. Interior runabout living section, optical. Later, Picard, Data, and Troy standing by one of the beds. Lying on the bed is the Romulan who attacked Geordi. He's unconscious. Data, regarding Romulan. His cellular structures do not conform to any known species, and his bioelectric patterns are in a state of temporal flux. I do not believe that this being is native to our time continuum. They eye the Romulan. Picard. Mr. Data. You said you discovered organic matter within the temporal aperture. Data. That is correct. Picard. I want to take a closer look at those readings. Data nods and turns to work on a nearby console. Picard joins him. Troy keeps an eye on the Romulan. As Data works, a monitor displays a graphic of the temporal aperture seen earlier. The dark spots are visible. Data. Regarding graphic. This is a biospectral analysis of the temporal aperture. Indicates dark spots. The organic readings originated from these dark spots. Picard studies the screen. Picard. They appear to contain some sort of energy patterns. Can you isolate one of them and magnify? Data works. The graphic magnifies to show one single dark spot. Within the spot is a pattern which suggests a cluster of cells. Picard off graphic. It looks like a cellular cluster. Data. Its bioelectric patterns are similar to that of the alien. However, it is significantly less complex. Beat. The cellular structures appear to be in a state of mitosis. Picard is struck by a notion. They react to his words. Picard eyes him. Okay, this is odd. I've never noticed this before, but there seems to be some missing dialogue between page 43 and page 44, and I don't understand why. Hopefully, it's not anything major. To repeat Data's last line, Its bioelectric patterns are similar to that of the alien. However, it is significantly less complex. Beat. The cellular structure appears to be in a state of mitosis. Picard is struck by a notion. And then we have some missing dialogue, and we continue with, They react to his words. Picard eyes him. Picard to Romulan. Who are you? The Romulan looks at Picard. He's in pain. It's a struggle for him to speak. Romulan slash alien. This body is not mine. It was necessary to assume it, to exist in your time. Troy steps forward. Troy, why are you here? The Romulan reacts to a pain in his entire body. He writhes on the bed a moment, catches his breath, tries to speak again. Romulan slash alien. We had to come to save them. They were in danger. Picard, who is in danger? Romulan slash alien. Our young. They will die in the gravity well. It is artificial. Troy, artificial gravity well? Realizes. You mean the Romulan engine core? Romulan slash alien. Yes. Our young are trapped. We must get them out. Return them to our time. The Romulan reacts to a pain, and his entire body phases in and out in a kaleidoscope effect for an instant. Data scans him with the tricorder. Data. His molecular structure is destabilizing. The urgency in the room rises a notch. Picard. How did your young become trapped in the core? Romulan slash alien. We must use a natural gravity well to incubate our young. Beat. We thought the Romulan core would suffice. It did not. Data realizes, turns to Picard. Data. Captain. I believe his species mistook the artificial singularity which the Romulans use in their engine for a natural one, a black hole. They tried to use it as a nest. They piece it together. Troy. That's what deactivated the Warbird's engine core. So the Romulans sent out a distress call. Picard, off that. The Enterprise responded, found the Warbird suffering an apparent engine failure, and attempted a power transfer. 
The Romulan seizes onto the words, speaks with emphasis. Romulan slash alien. Power transfer. We must stop the power transfer. It has ruptured time. It, it will destroy our young. Data interpreting. I believe that when the power transfer made contact with the alien nest, it disrupted the space-time continuum. Picard nods, eyes the Romulan. Picard realizing. Was it you who attacked the Enterprise? Romulan slash alien. Yes, we had to stop the power transfer. The Romulan phases in and out again. He's fading fast. Picard. Are there others like you here? The Romulan is barely holding on. Romulan slash alien. One other. Picard. Do you know where he is? Can he help us restore normal time? Suddenly, the Romulan fractures in a kaleidoscope effect and vanishes. Gone. Reactions. Fade out. End of Act 4. And now, Act 5. The final act in Timescape. Fade in. Exterior space runabout. Optical. As before. Interior runabout. Living section. Minutes later. Data is working the console. Picard and Troy pacing the room. Tense. Data. I estimate the core breach will consume the Enterprise in approximately seven hours, two minutes. Picard is frustrated, searching for a way out of the situation. Picard. Is there a way to lock onto the core itself, beam it into space? Data. No, sir. We would need to surround the core with a subspace isolation field. It is not possible to generate a field of that magnitude from the runabout. They consider. It looks hopeless. Picard paces the room as an idea starts to form in his mind. Picard. Mr. Data, when you scanned the temporal aperture with your tricorder, it caused time to move forward and back again. Data. That is correct. Picard. What if we found a way to reverse that process, make time move backward, then forward? Troy. Onto the idea. We might be able to run time back to a point before the warp core breach occurred, and then find a way to prevent the power transfer. So when time moves forward again, Picard, the breach won't happen. Data considers the radical notion. Data, I can attempt to modify the tricorder scan frequency. It might allow us to manipulate the temporal aperture's effects. Picard nods, giving him the go-ahead. Picard, make it so, Data. Data moves off to work. Picard looks at Troy intent. Picard, if this works, we may not have much time to prevent the power transfer. We'll have to decide precisely where to be and what to do the instant time begins to move backwards. Troy nods, offer determination. Exterior space, runabout, optical, as before, facing the frozen Enterprise and Warbird. Interior Enterprise, engineering, optical. The scene frozen as before, except now the gaseous cloud of the core breach explosion is larger. New angle, Data, standing at the console, holding a small pad-like device. He taps his transporter armband. Data, to calm. Captain, I have placed the tricorder in the Romulan engine room, standing by. Intercut the following. Interior Enterprise, bridge. Everything frozen. Picard at the aft science station, standing ready. Picard, to calm. Acknowledged. Counselor, are you in position? Interior Enterprise Sickbay Optical. Troy standing a few feet away from Beverly, who is still frozen in mid-death. She positions herself near Beverly, phaser drawn, ready. Note, the Romulan woman by the door, who was seen watching Troy in Act 2, is no longer present. Troy to calm. Ready, sir. Data as before. Picard. All right, Mr. Data. Data. Initiating tricorder emissions. Data hits a control on the pad-like device. Interior Romulan Warbird Engineering Optical. A tricorder has been placed on the floor facing the engine core. It is blinking. A moment later, the core sends out a flash of light. Interior Enterprise Bridge. Picard waiting, looking around him. New angle. The room. Optical. Suddenly, everything and everyone starts to move backwards. Time running in reverse. All of the sounds and motions begin to move backwards. Note, the action here is the exact reverse of the forward action in scene 94. Interior Enterprise, sick bay, optical. On Beverly as the Romulan disruptor blast reverses direction and goes back into the weapon. Interior Enterprise, engineering, optical. Data standing ready at the console. 
The gaseous cloud of the warp core breach is now gone. NDS can be seen in the background, working backwards. Data speaks over the strange noise of sounds running backwards. Data, off console. Captain, the warp core breach has been reversed. Picard, be ready, Mr. Data. Data, aye, sir. Data poises his hands at the console, ready. New angle, the Romulan woman, seen in Act 2. She is walking forward through the room, clearly unaffected by the time reversal. Data, optical, senses her and spins around. Too late. The Romulan woman comes at him, speaks in the same alien voice heard earlier. Romulan alien number two. You must stop! The Romulan woman pushes Data away from the console. As they make contact, Data's isolation field fritzes around the two of them. Then both fall to the floor. New angle, the NDS, optical, as they slowly come to a stop, then start moving forward. Time has resumed its normal course. One of the NDS starts to operate the console where Data was standing ready. Data gets to his feet, a little dazed. The Romulan woman remains unconscious. A beat, then Data quickly moves to the ND at the console. Data, to ND. You must not initiate the power transfer. The ND turns to him, Ensign. I'm sorry, sir, I already have. Data works the console. We must shut it down. Ensign, off console. The transfer beam is at saturation, sir. It can't be disengaged. Data, quickly, to computer. Computer, place a level 3 containment field around the warp core. Computer voice. Containment field activated. Interior bridge, optical. Time moving forward. We see the following action happen quickly. The ship is jolted. The con console explodes, knocking the Starfleet ND to the ground. A Romulan quickly moves in to take control. Riker and the Romulan commander are thrown across the bridge. Riker manages to catch him before he crashes into him. This is the moment where time was frozen. The action continues without pause. Riker sees Picard and reacts to the sight of him. Riker, Captain? Picard, quickly. No time to explain, number one. Continue the evacuation of the Romulan ship. You'll find LaForge in the Romulan engine room. Beam him directly to sickbay. Riker moves to a console. Interior sickbay, optical. Troy knocks Beverly aside just as the disruptor blast shoots by Beverly and hits the wall. The Romulan takes a step toward Beverly, but Troy immediately aims her phaser at him. Troy, to Romulan, a threat. Step away, now! Beverly looks at Troy, confused. Beverly, Deanna, it's okay, he wasn't firing at me. Troy looks at the Romulan. Romulan, to Troy. There was an alien here who'd taken Romulan form. I was firing at her, indicates Beverly. The doctor got in the way. Beverly looks around the room, alarmed. Beverly, where did she go? Off their concern. Interior Enterprise Engineering. Data has moved to another console. Picard, status, Mr. Data. Data, to com. I was attacked by another alien, sir. I was unable to prevent the power transfer. He rapidly works the console. Data, continuing. It cannot be disengaged, and the containment field will fail in 17 seconds. Beat. A core breach is again imminent. Interior bridge as before. Picard and Riker, urgent. Picard to Riker. Can we move the ship? Riker moves to his armchair console. Riker, the feedback from the transfer beam would tear us apart. Tension. Now what? Picard gets an idea. Rushes to tactical. Picard to Riker. Patch me into the navigational control on the runabout. Riker moves to the con. Works. The ship shakes. Tension building. Riker. Got it. Picard hits a few commands at tactical. Picard, I'm bringing the runabout in. Exterior space, Enterprise and Warbird, optical. The runabout flies into the space between the Enterprise and the Romulan ship, interrupting the transfer beam. The runabout explodes. The Romulan Warbird fractures in a kaleidoscope effect and completely vanishes. Interior engineering, optical. Data at the console. A few feet away, the unconscious Romulan vanishes in a kaleidoscope effect. Data reacts. Picard's calm voice. Mr. Data? Data to calm. The core breach has been prevented, sir. Data begins scanning the region where the Romulan was lying. Intercut. Interior bridge. Picard reading tactical. Picard off console. Data, it appears that severing the power transfer has not only prevented the core breach, but has also restored space-time to normal. Interior engineering. Data. The alien who attacked me has vanished, sir. Picard. The warbird has vanished as well. Data. Off tricorder. 
Judging from the residual temporal fluctuations, I believe they have returned to their own time continuum. Interior bridge. Riker looks at Picard, puzzled. Riker. Captain? Picard. It's going to take a little time to explain, number one. Off Riker's reaction. Exterior space. The Enterprise. Optical. At impulse. Picard. Voiceover. Captain's log. Stardate 46945.3. We successfully evacuated the crew of the Romulan ship. We're on course to the neutral zone to bring them home. Interior Enterprise. Data's quarters. A couple of days later. Data is sitting at a table, staring intently at a small tea kettle, which is on a burner. The door chimes. Data. Come in. Riker enters, glances around, a little nervous. Riker, to Data, where's that cat of yours? Data does not look up from the kettle. Data, Spot is sleeping, sir. What? Why do you ask? Riker, no reason. Riker crosses to Data, hands him a pad. Riker, I've worked out the new rotation schedules. I'd like you to cross-check the personnel assignments and notify all department heads. Your new bridge shift begins at 2300 hours. Data takes the pad without looking up. His attention remains fixed on the kettle. Data. Understood, sir. Riker eyes him. Data watches the kettle. A beat goes by. Then the kettle begins to whistle. Data looks thoughtful. Riker. Data, what are you doing? Data. Recent events have compelled me to study how humans perceive the passage of time. Beat. For example, I have often heard people comment that time seems to pass more slowly in one instance or more quickly in another. Yet, in reality, the actual passage of time remains fixed. Riker considers. I guess everybody perceives time a little differently. It depends on the exact situation, how you're feeling. Data indicates the kettle. Data. I have been testing the aphorism that a watched pot never boils. Beat. I have boiled the same amount of water in this kettle 62 times. In some cases, I ignored the kettle. In others, I watched it intently. In every instance, the water reached its boiling point in precisely 51.7 seconds. They stare at the kettle for a moment. Data. It would appear that I am not capable of perceiving time any differently than my internal chronometer. Riker thinks. Why don't you turn it off? Data. Sir? Riker. Data. People don't have internal chronometers. See what happens when you turn yours off. Data looks intrigued. Data. Thank you, Commander. I will try that. Riker smiles. Riker, just don't be late for your shift. Riker gives Data a smile, then exits. Data watches him a moment. Suddenly, we hear the kettle whistle. Data turns quickly at the sound. Off his intrigued expression as he watches the pot. Fade out. End of Act 5. The end. And so ends the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Timescape. I'd say... For a script that was written in about 48 hours, that's pretty damn good writing. It's a really fun episode. I think I'm going to watch it again tonight. It's been a while. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the reading. Next uh, next episode of Farfetched, I'm going to get back to reading some of my unsold Star Trek The Next Generation pitches. So I hope you join me for that. Until then, this has been Farfetched. <laughs>